Hey there, folks. Welcome to Griff Talks Football with your host, Griff, here. And I'm very excited to do this one in particular today. I mean, I'm always excited to do new episodes or new videos, uh, which, fun fact, this Thursday afternoon, I'll be doing a video over this particular topic today. When I say Thursday, I'm talking about April 23rd uh, in the afternoon. Um, so very excited to do that video. Um, but in this particular topic, it's become relatively talked about more often, but it's also been new. New in a sense that more people have heard about it through announcers, people have seen it via coaching clinics, via YouTube videos, maybe they heard it through podcasts, and maybe even seen it in a real life, real life game, or maybe through highlights on YouTube. But... This, this, these plays have now become more routine or at least used more often in preparation for opponents, and that's RPOs. RPO, the acronym itself, is a run pass option. And the purpose is to run the ball first. That's where the R comes in. Sometimes you may get a QPO, which is a quarterback run. Pass option. Um, but again, it's still the same thing as just an RPO. It's just the quarterback would have the ball in that scenario. But again, it's an RPO run pass option. And the purpose is to run the ball first. Uh, but pass if too many individuals or too many defenders are in the box. And it's supposed to create favorable matchups for the offense. You know, usually... If you see so many defenders in the box, that's a favorable matchup for them to uh, stop the run, force the offense to basically throw the ball in that scenario. However, this system, or not so much system, but plays, some people, I mean, some teams may have used it as their base identity. I'm not so much in favor of using it as a base identity because I feel like you can be more creative if you use a different base identity. I think you can kind of restrict yourself or from from being able to use plays that complement well with RPOs. I think RPOs are more of a complement to a system that you would establish. Like Cake, for example, we already got the 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 batter or the main part of the cake, whether it's chocolate, vanilla, and the icing itself is more of that complement to the cake or like a cupcake. Like, I, I don't mind the icing, but if I don't have that flavor from the cake itself, then it's it's no use to me. And that's how I feel about RPOs. They're supposed to complement your system, not the other way around. It's just my opinion on it. But going back to favorable matchups, you started seeing this. You might have started seeing or heard about this trend back in 2016. I don't know the exact origins of where it came from. But I know that when I first heard the term of an RPO, Jared Goff was talking to John Gruden on the Gruden quarterback camp that ESPN had at the time. This is probably two years before Gruden had was hired to become the Raiders head coach. And in 2016, or prior to the 2016 draft, Jared Goff was being interviewed by John Gruden, and John Gruden was asking Jared Goff a series of plays 
that which Jared Goff got hit a lot on. And I think John Gruden, at least through that conversation, assumed that Jared, that Jared Goff just had a terrible O-line and was getting hit a lot. But then in that conversation, Jared had said that it was an RPO, that the offensive linemen are supposed to be doing specific things as though they're just run blocking. And you're supposed to be reading a particular key player, a key defensive player, to then decide to either hand it off or throw the ball. And that's the purpose of this RPO is to have favorable matchups for the offense. So again, if you have so many defenders stacked in the box, you find a concept that complements well with the RPO that you throw on. So if you have like seven defenders in the box, which you know, which that's a normal see, but if you have them in the box and you feel like you can get a pass. Uh, or at least you feel like the favorable matchup is the pass at the run, then you can throw it then. And also to keep in mind, there is no drop step if you're throwing the ball. Much like the quick passing game, if you're in shotgun and you just take the snap and you throw it, or if you're under center, you're just taking three steps and throw it. But with an RPO, you're taking steps that complement or go well with the run play. You're not taking steps as if you're throwing it. You're not doing that. No, you are running the ball and throwing if the pass is available. Now, you would take probably two to three steps when taking the snap and taking the head off. And then if you're faking the handoff, you'll take two more steps. By the time you take your second step, it should be your throwing step that enables you to um, throw the ball to said target. Whether receiver or tight end, maybe you put a running back out there in a slot, uh, whatever the case may be. You're not taking a three-step drop after, you know, faking the running back and you sure as heck are not taking the three-step drop right once you catch the snap. You're not. Because the timing isn't the same. The problem is, is that you got offensive linemen run blocking. You don't have them pass protecting. So you'll get a legal lineman down the field. And so that's the biggest thing in my, or at least one of the cue, oh, cue, one of the few key things uh that you would need to focus on if you're teaching or implementing or installing RPO plays in your offensive system is to remind the quarterback not to take drop steps. First, to remind the quarterback to either give the ball to running back or fake and then take two steps and throw. And... Certain steps are associated with certain plays, whether it's an inside zone run or an outside zone, power, counter, uh, in different various types of run plays. But this also opens an opportunity to eliminate the defense's aggressiveness and make the defense play disciplined football. That's also the purpose. If you find yourself getting blitzed constantly by the defense, RPOs are one way of, of, of trying to manipulate the defense into thinking it's a run, then throw the pass in um, to then force them to not play so aggressive. I mean, yes, most of, the, most of the time you'll see man coverage on blitzes. 
especially if it's a man coverage team that you're preparing against. But, you know, even in man coverage, you still got to wait and see if there's the run play. You're not always going to be locked on your receiver because if it's a run play and a defender doesn't get there or misses a gap, then, you know, running back can get 10 yards or maybe or more. So, that again, RPOs are one way of trying to eliminate the aggressiveness from the defense. And then the types of RPOs, too, are a six-man, seven-man, eight-man run scheme. In which most, most often, when you're seeing teams, they're a spread team or um, if they're more of a one-back personnel, you would often see six-man run scheme most often used. But sometimes if you see teams, they're more of a two tight end personnel with two receivers or an ace personnel or another word is um, 12 personnel. But again, ace based or two tight end based, you'll see a seven man run scheme occur. And again, most of these run schemes, if not all, are out of shotgun except for the eight-man run scheme, you wouldn't necessarily see that in shotgun. You would see it with the quarterback under center, in which, again, I'll explain a play or at least mention a play that is an example of an eight-man run scheme later in this episode. But when it comes down to RPOs, another thing to keep in mind um, is you have to remind yourself that it's important to identify an apex or key defender and then what to keep in mind during that point in time once you're reading said defender. And also to keep in mind, key players change based on the front and coverage that is presented. Usually the read is whoever is the innermost man or who is also near the slot position. So if it's, you know, for example, zone coverage, you see a linebacker and receiver. Does that linebacker have inside leverage in the receiver? If the linebacker does then this may be an opportunity to throw it. However, that linebacker has, for whatever reason, outside leverage on the receiver. While it may be a favorable matchup because it's zone, that linebacker is most likely, if, uh, if 100% of the time, going to be playing for the pass. So why take the risk on trying to throw it, which the linebacker can either blow up the receiver or intercept the pass when that linebacker is basically out of the box at that point, you can just run because you have a favorable matchup for a run play, not so much a pass play. Because remember, RPOs are run pass option. The first word and first letter are run or R. So you're you're running the ball. You also have to make sure uh, that you have to match the RPO with your quarterback's eyes. Key your eyes, if you're a quarterback and if you're someone teaching the quarterback, yeah, keep your eyes on the key player after a snap, which may sound rhetorical because you would think, that, oh, wow, that should already be expected, but some coaches may not teach that, uh, which some coaches may teach different things on any system or any play, really. But this is something that I've learned or come across um, especially as offensive coordinator or current offensive coordinator slash wide receivers coach um, of Michigan. Um, oh, what's his name? Um, Josh Gaddis. 
I want to see. I want to say that's his name, Josh Gaddis, um, had pointed out that your quarterback needs to have the eyes on the key defender. Your quarterback can't just take the eyes off, and then that quarterback decides to throw it. Maybe interception, and you don't want that. So got to keep your eyes on the key player or key players. And again, key players change based on front personnel and coverage is being presented. Uh, if the conflict player or key player is close to the line of scrimmage, you have to throw hot or make the play look like a re-option to then still take advantage of the run. But most often, you'll just throw hot. However, if the defender squeezes, you have to throw the ball quick or a quick lead. Um, but then you also have to keep in mind that the other defender in coverage. So before I go in, before I can continue, the defender I'm talking about that's squeezing is usually defensive end or a linebacker that's in a seven technique or nine technique that's, you know, near the left tackle or right tackle or tight inside, wherever you're calling this RPO, that would be squeezing. So sometimes you'll have two reads. Sometimes that when you're trying to see if you can give the ball to a running back, that you got to look at the DN as well as a, a, a backer or another defensive player that's the innermost man to a slot receiver. So you got to read those guys somewhat simultaneously. You got to read the backer first because if you look at the backer and that backer is playing the run, then you can try to throw it. But then once you make that decision, you also got to kind of look at the D-end or outside linebacker that's squeezing with your peripheral vision just to make sure you got enough time to kind of throw the, throw the ball. Now, that backer um, that you're reading first is playing coverage. Then you got to read the end and then try to give it to the running back because at that point, it is timing-based with this RPO. It's a different time-based Um and it's, it's most often not, it's far better to give it to the running back than it is to be, you know, blown up by a defensive end or, or outside linebacker. But as I continue, if the other defender gets beat or if there's additional inside leverage to the innermost man, you got to throw it there. And also, you got to make sure to read the demeanor of the key player. Right, if I'm reading this backer or this key player or the innermost man to my slot receiver, um, if I'm reading that defender, if that defender's just on his toes and he's not going after the run or not even playing the pass, just standing on his toes, then you gotta give it to the running back, regardless. You gotta give it to the running back. Or, you know, sometimes if that DN that you're also looking at crashes hard, then yes, you can keep it. As a QB, but most of the time just hand off to a running back just because once you're reading that demeanor of the defender, it is far better to give it to the running back and run the ball because if you decide to throw it, the defender has a better chance of trying to intercept the pass than trying to tackle the running back. Even if that defender attacks the running back, the running back is already getting positive yards. So even if you're calling a run play, to the read defender, the defender's on his toes, the offensive lineman will get to said defender. Um, if you're running away from the defender that you're reading, then 
the defender still needs to go across the field to make that tackle. As opposed to catching up with a receiver uh, that's close to him and intercept the pass. So we got to get some running back. So those are like several keys, things to remember when running RPOs. You got to read the demeanor of the, of the key conflict player. You got to recognize when that those key defenders change based on the front personnel and coverage that's being presented. You got to keep your eyes on said defender. And you can't take a drop step, a drop step out of shotgun on an RPO. You just can't. Just can't do it. Um, and you gotta find concepts that complement well with said RPO. Sorry guys, I'm also drinking water here. But that's some things to keep in mind. Now, another thing to keep in mind. And this is when it gets more more difficult to make reads on RPOs when rolling coverages occur. Now I talked about rolling coverages a little bit in ways to adapt uh, to attack different coverages, and I also talked about bracket coverage a little bit in that episode too. So feel free to check it out. But when it comes to rolling coverage, if you see defense presenting cover four. And then right at the snap or when the ball is snapped, there's a shift in the secondary that then becomes a cover three. Or right before the snap, the the secondary shifts again to a cover three. You're, as a quarterback, or when you're a coach teaching this, the entire read changes. You're no longer reading like a backer, for example, if you're running to the right, to the strong side, to the tight end side. You're no longer reading the backer. You're now reading the strong safety. And at that point, you got more guys being able to attack the pass than it is to attack the run. But you still have guys in the po- in, in the box too that can attack the run. So you're not going to get a huge gain on the run, but you're also in risk of throwing an interception. So, because with the RPO, it's... It, it is part of the quick game. Now, you probably have more uh, success, you know, if it's a standard quick game, throwing flats and slants against cover three. But again, this is an RPO. Steps change. Routes, the, the depth of routes change. So, again, at that scenario, the read changes. You got to read on the fly. And you got to give it to the running back. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you throw an interception. So you don't. Or for whatever reason, it just changes the blitz zero. You got everyone stuck in man coverage. Uh, that read is changing. Um, and you got to give it to a running back. You, you got to live for another down. And so uh, one of the ways to counteract this rolling coverage, if you see on the next play or on the next series, is be prepared to do a play-action pass. Make it look like an RPO. So let's say you've been running an RPO with a pulling guard, just running power. And they're changing what they're doing coverage-wise, and they're stopping it. Right? Or they started to slow down, or started to prepare more for the pass as well. 
Then do the same thing in the sense of having that guard pull, but do a play action pass. So let's say they go from cover four to cover three again. Well, guess what? One of the success, one of the weaknesses of cover three is not only the slants and flats, so you can do a quick play action pass, but if you want to aim deep, one of the weaknesses is also verticals, just running verticals, especially at the hashes. So you can go play action pass, have the tight end run the seam, have your slot receiver run the seam, and then you're going to be reading the free safety of what that free safety is going to do. And then if that free safety attacks the slot, throw it to the tight end. If that free safety attacks the tight end, throw it to the slot, or throw it to the sideline if you feel like you know, your receiver is going to beat this corner, but just hit the inner seams. So that's one way to beat at least that particular rolling coverage or way to counteract rolling coverage is just going with play action that looks like an RPO. Really, it isn't because the linemen are not going down the field anymore. They're pass protecting. It just so happens because of the action and because you've been constantly running a pulling guard scenario with the RPO that it looks like an RPO, it looks like a run, and evidently it's a play-action pass. So that's a neat way of kind of counteracting rolling coverages there. And now, as I end this episode, I'm going to be mentioning a few concepts that can complement well with your RPO. And routes or concepts that are often associated or typically associated with RPOs are dungeon, or what I call dungeon, some NFL teams call it dragon, where it's a slant and flat concept, and you all most often see a six or seven man run scheme associated with the slant and flat concept. However, um, something to keep in mind is that these slants turn into glances. Now, in your quick game, slant routes are usually just three steps cut, or get to five yards and cut. But in this scenario, it's six steps because it's a different timing of a play. You got to take certain steps, certain depth along uh, with the, the run that's being shown to match well with the RPO. Because if you do a six step, six step glance route and the quarterback decides to throw it and the receiver catches it, you won't necessarily get a legal lineman down the field because you have the steps, you have the routes, you have the concept, you have everything timed up perfectly to a point where you won't get your lineman for doing their job, get called on a penalty for legal lineman down the field. You're not setting them up to fail. So that's, uh, that's something to keep in mind when it comes to slant routes that are changed to glance routes. Just based again on the timing of the RPL. And then you have lion, which is a slant and arrow concept. Arrow is a one-step, basically, slant, but in this scenario, it would be more of a three-step slant um, because of the RPO. And then you got Dubner. And again, this is what I, I call these concepts. You got Dubner, which is a slant and bubble concept. Again, lion and Dubner, you most often see with a six- to seven-man RPO. Stick, that's more of a six-man uh, RPO, not necessarily seven, more of a, si uh, a six-man RPO, uh, where you got the stick route and the flat concept and a go concept. Um, you got verticals or basically go routes. You'll most likely see that in a six-man, not so much seven-man or eight-man RPO. Dodgers, a slant and under concept. You will see that in a um, six or seven man 
RPO run scheme. And then you got the smoke concept, which is a outside receiver screen with blockers concept. And you'll see that only in a eight-man RPO with a quarterback under the center. And then you got a spear concept with a flat with blockers, uh, which that's more associated with a eight-man RPO, but it's out of shotgun. You got one person running this route with a less... Well, the rest of them are blocking. And then you got the Ohio concept, which is a go and out route, mostly associated with a seven-man uh, run scheme. And you got another concept, what I would call Haas, where you got seams on the inside, hitches on the outside. But in this scenario, uh, you most likely see this in a uh, uh, seven-man run scheme. Or even a six-man run scheme, but more from a trips formation, um, and have you know your tight end blocking as part of the six-man run scheme. That's just concepts that I found that have become effective with these RPOs, or at least complement well with the RPO. So that's really what comes down to it. Ultimately, with the RPOs, is reading key defenders, making sure concepts complement well with the RPO that's being presented. Um, and don't worry, this Thursday afternoon, I'll be releasing a video on my YouTube channel talking about an RPO play um, against a particular defensive front or coverage that's being presented and how, how to run it. What's the best way to, to effectively run it that I'm, you know, drawing up on the drawing board. So looking forward to that. But nevertheless, thank you so much for listening to this episode. There's a lot of details to go into. But thank you again for listening. And I'll catch y'all again next Tuesday on my podcast. And also remember to either love or hate my opinions.